0: two town halls, a debate, an update on the Hunter Biden saga, and what happens when a coyote steals your children. This is James O'Hara, and this is Politics Today, so let's talk about what's going on. Um, As any of you guys who follow my podcast know, I try to do recaps after we have major events like debates or um, big events that happen, of course, and I didn't do a big um, recap of the town halls, um, I did one of the vice presidential debate, didn't focus a whole lot of attention on the town halls themselves, um, mostly because, uh, you know, we really were supposed to have a debate, and we didn't have one, so we had town halls, and the town halls weren't, I think, as productive as the debate would have been, um, so I didn't focus too much attention onto them, especially since we knew we had a third debate coming up. Um, where we would have the final debate and the final countdown for what was going to happen in this presidential race. Um, so it is with that that I begin. Um, recapping last night's debate. Uh, surprisingly, the debate went very, very well. Um, not surprising because of the pre- president's performance or the candidate's performances. Uh, more, I was surprised at the moderator's performance. Um, in reality, the I was very concerned about the new rules that the um, Commission on Presidential Debates had put into effect. Um, I was happy to hear their explanation a little bit about those rules um, when they first began the debate, um, right before, of course, the candidates come out and the moderators was introduced. They kind of clarified what they had done with the microphone muting rule, uh, which they had kind of put into effect at the last minute um, in this debate. And that was a point of contention for me. I was very outspoken about them not doing any kind of muting because I don't believe that's how a presidential debate is supposed to be done. You're not supposed to give that power to start muting people. That discourse between the candidates is really what you want in a debate. And to me, it went against all debate ethics to mute someone's microphone. But um, in the end, the explanation made a little bit uh, more sense Uh, and it put me a little bit at ease I should say and that was that the only the first two minutes when the question is asked that candidate was given a time to answer was the other person's microphone muted at that point the person would be able to talk um, all they want after that and you could have that discourse so it simply allowed them to uh, follow the rules that the debate had initially put forward that there would not be debates and that's definitely a rule that Trump had violated over and over and over again in the first debate And in my opinion, this debate was night and day compared to the first debate um, between Biden and Trump. And I don't think the Mike Rule had a lot to do with that. I really think it just was a matter of them getting out on the campaign trail and actually being able to, uh, onto a debate stage, and being able to actually argue with each other. I think that was important um, that you didn't have that before. In the first debate, I think uh, Trump was very agitated. I think he was... Very much wanted to get his side across, um, that the media hadn't been covering, and I think he did a poor performance, and of course, you can listen to that podcast where I uh, talk about what uh, the first debate was like, but in this one, we had a good moderator, um, surprisingly, Uh, I, I know she was beaten up a lot by people on the right, including myself. Over being a Democrat supporter, whose parents had donated thousands and thousands of dollars to Democrats, um, she's been caught on on hot mics giving questions to Hillary Clinton's um, communications director prior to an interview. Um, so it's very much a concern that she would not be a uh, impartial moderator and would do what kind of Chris Wallace had done. But the fear was she would be even worse and really try to direct things against. Um, President Trump, and be a debater herself with him. And surprisingly, um, she didn't. She she really impressed me. She did not uh, do that at all. She instead let the candidates go at it, and they let them argue. Uh, She let them interrupt each other a few times. She did interrupt President Trump a few times, and there was uh, one moment where the president. uh, There may have been more, but one moment I noticed that the president's mic was actually cut as he was uh, finishing a statement and then turned back on and his statement was allowed to be finished. Um, And then there was also another time where Biden's microphone was cut at the end of a statement. So it it seemed like it was pretty fair with how they were doling out the microphone rules. Um, And she handled it pretty well. I think she asked some pretty good questions. Um, The debate was supposed to be of a foreign policy. It's usually what the last debate is about. And that was conveniently, Um, removed as one of the topics to be discussed and it wasn't brought out there because of course uh, foreign policy is a huge strong point for president trump i mean massive massive strong point for him he has brokered mid-east peace deals we just had a third one happen today um, between sudan and israel so um his record on foreign policy is very very good we we have not been in any kind of new war since he's been president we've uh, drawn down our troop levels in foreign countries. Uh, we had, we were on the verge of going to war, and everyone was fearful of going to war with North Korea. That is pretty much not a fear anymore. And uh, there was other issues we were having around the world that have, have pretty much been either capped off or are on their way being reduced. So I, I think as far as a foreign policy debate, Trump would have handedly beat um Joe Biden. And that's because Joe Biden was on the wrong side of every single decision foreign policy wise that this country's made in the last few years. I mean, he was for going into Iraq. He was um, against the, Osama, uh, the, the raid on Osama bin Laden. Um, he's definitely been a horrible foreign policy person. So that would have been a great debate to have, and it would have made Trump look even better. But Trump was able to direct this debate towards certain things, that weren't necessarily on the debate schedule he did it while being calm cool collected he didn't get over excited there were a few moments where they kind of got at each other but the reality was trump looked presidential trump looked intelligent uh trump argued well um for the case of his administration and what it has done and biden on the other hand didn't Biden did not look good. Biden looked uh, disheveled at times, like he didn't know where, what was really being discussed. Trump landed some big zingers on him uh, that he wasn't able to deflect very easily. And really, he just um, he, he wasn't able to have a serious debate with President Trump. And had President Trump done this the first debate, uh, it, it, the polls would be completely different. And President Trump, I think, would be crushing Joe Biden had this debate happened three weeks ago and not now. The question is, will this have a big impact now that it's already so close to election day and people are already out voting? I don't know. I do think it will have an impact, in my personal opinion. I think Trump really redeemed himself a lot for a lot of the, the flack he's been taking, and he did an excellent job going up against Biden. So what were some of the major topics that were discussed? Well, the major things that were discussed first was COVID. We discussed COVID at length, um, probably about 25 minutes of the debate was focused on just COVID and the response. I think the president uh, had a good answer for many of those questions um, about what he would do. And he he was talking about how he would keep doing pretty much the things he has been doing um, against COVID. And now a lot of people beat the president up over his COVID response. But the reality is, you're looking at two different philosophies for how to deal with this crisis. Now, has the president flip-flopped on things? Yes. Has the president not done the best, greatest response ever? No, he hasn't. And and he won't admit to that because he's President Trump. So everything's got to be the biggest, the baddest, the greatest, right? And he didn't do the greatest on his response to COVID um, that maybe he could have. But there was a lot of changing facts about the COVID response. So Trump brought that up. He brought up that, you know, Fauci had flip-flopped on some of these major decisions, wearing masks and, you know, not wearing masks and then telling everyone to wear masks and things like that. Uh, There was a lot of information that was pouring out in the early days when this virus was first um, spreading. That wasn't necessarily true. There's others that were. Others were maybe true, but a lot of people had maybe it was a fear that maybe it was overblown. I mean, the Democrat um, response to this and Joe Biden's attack plan on this in the debate It's really foolhardy, in my opinion. I, I don't think they have a good answer. And that's because they think that the American people have such a short memory that they don't remember January and February and March of this year. And they don't remember that we, the Americans, don't remember what was being said in the media, what was being said by politicians, and what was being said by the administration. But we do. In January... And in February, the administration was taking strong steps to try to contain the virus. Now, it didn't work, but they did cut off travel to China. And that was a big point brought up in the debate, of course, that in every debate that's been brought up um, by President Trump, because it was a, a one of his big, big success points uh, that he likes to call out is how he shut down travel from China and shut down travel from Europe. Um, the Democrats, on the other hand, were out. Literally dancing in the streets, telling people to go to Chinatown, telling people to go out to their favorite restaurant, telling people um, to go out to the movies, like in New York with Bill de Blasio, and all this stuff, all the way into March. So, you know, they can't now come back and say, oh, we were, we were really scared, and we were we were really concerned, and we cared so much. You didn't. Joe Biden didn't. He called the president xenophobic and basically a racist. Now, he tried to cover that up last night. Oh, I wasn't referring to what the president said But it was in response, literally, to a tweet the president put about um, shutting down travel to China. So you can try to say he didn't say it that way, but why would he respond to a tweet that way and then repeat it later? The reality was they were trying to play off the xenophobic, the racism, the stuff like that, that they have accused Trump of constantly throughout his presidency. Um, And all of it is 100% unfounded. 100% anyone tells you there's any actual fact for trump being a racist is lying to you it doesn't and he condemned um, white supremacy and racism more than any president in the entire history of the united states it's not even an argument at this point but it's still being something blasted to the media it's a democrat talking point and it's not true um so the COVID stuff went back and forth um and in the end that that I think was a win for Trump on that side, although the, where the win really happened wasn't really with the response and the discussion about the response. When the win happened for Trump was the, the dichotomy of the two ideas, the two perspectives on COVID. Joe Biden and the Democrats have made it very clear. He even referred to this term, a dark winter is coming, like it's Game of Thrones. And he has that perspective, whether it's true or not, whether he actually has that perspective or whether that's just something that's being shoved out there as an attack on Trump um, is, is I don't know. But the reality is he uses this this dark winter. Everyone's going to die. Um, you know, you have empty seats at your table because people are dying of covid. The reality is our covid deaths are down a lot. I mean, Joe Biden at one point in this debate said there's going to be 200,000 deaths by the end of the year. That means from now, so we're end of October to December 31st, there's going to be 200,000 deaths according to Joe Biden and the Democrats. Now, that insanity of that statement was completely lost. I mean, there no. there was no um, fact-checking at all by this by the moderator, which wasn't her job, but... I mean, even Trump missed it, and the fact that 200,000 people are going to be dead in less than two months or or a period of two months, that's insane. We have 220-some thousand deaths right now, which is a lot, but this has been going on since January, right? January. So January to October, so 10 months, and we have 200 and a quarter thousand deaths, uh, but now we're going to have the same amount of deaths in a period of two months all of a sudden, while we got a better handle on the virus than we ever did before. Better treatments than we ever did before. Better therapeutics than we ever did before. The doctors know more than they ever did before. We have a vaccine that is in, you know, phase three trials, which arguably will be ready by November or by the end of November at least, and then begin the distribution process, even if it takes a while to get it to everybody. The reality is 200,000 people are not going to die of this virus in the next two months. It's not going to happen. There's not going to be this dark winter where everyone dies. That is insanity to even say that. It's not It's not backed up by any factual scientific evidence whatsoever. And this is coming from the political party who claims to believe in science. But there's no science that backs this up whatsoever. And Trump hit back pretty hard with his view. His view was the light, right? Which is kind of funny. You know, during the DNC, uh, Biden's speech was... The dark and the light, right? And that he was the light and Trump was the dark. But really this this campaign has shown the opposite. Biden is the dark. And the light is President Trump. And it might surprise the people because of how President Trump's behavior as many times. But he's optimistic. He looks. He has a view of COVID as we're rounding the corner. We've done a lot of things to become more successful in fighting the virus. That the virus is not going to just go away all of a sudden. He Even said that, like we got, you know, it's not like it's just going to be gone. But he did say, you know, we have rounded the corner, and although cases have gone up, we have a spike in cases in many of these states. The cases are up around the world. Even in Europe, cases are even higher than in the United States, and they don't have President Trump as president. But you don't hear that in the mainstream media reported anywhere. You only hear that it's so bad and it's all president's fault and his response was poor. The reality is this is a virus. It does affect people. However, death tolls from this virus percentage wise are dropping and going down. That's the reality because we are treating the virus better younger people are getting infected which don't have as much adverse effects from this virus than older people do and so we are having successes and a lot of those successes whether you like it or not were put in place by President Trump by taking the uh, regulations and the controls uh, off of industry so they can go and begin these uh, research and trials and get medications to market and all these things uh, that have become very successful in fighting this so Trump Took the light approach, while Biden's really taken the dark approach on this. And then the debate, they went to other issues, of course, that were brought up. Um, they've talked about the Green New Deal uh, and some other things. I mean, it, it was gotten to the usual talking points. Really no addressing of any foreign policy in this debate. COVID seemed to be the big arguments, which, of course, is what they they want to have out there, the media-wise, because they feel like COVID, uh, the Democrats feel COVID is a winning Thing for them against the president, um, they hit on the economy going down, which is I feel is a bad argument. The reality is uh, Trump had it right. Trump Trump's argument response was, "We shut the economy down. That's why the economy has you know, had a downturn, and is coming back as we open things up." Now, again, the dark and the light argument. Right, we need to be optimistic. We need to open things up. That's the real way to win against this virus. We can't live in a basement. And that was one of the big hits that Trump had against Biden was the basement comment. How, you know, Biden hides in his basement. And, you know, Trump Trump was peppering in throughout the debate little um, underhanded kind of hints about the Hunter Biden situation. Right? And trying to get Joe Biden to address those issues. And you could tell that it made Joe Biden very angry, because reality is, Joe Biden is compromised by this. He's compromised by the Hunter Biden saga, the things going on with his son, which are getting worse and worse and worse by the day. And Biden is trying to play this role where he has no involvement in this, he knows nothing. uh, And he doesn't know what his son was involved. And now he's taking the approach that his son never did anything wrong, and he never did anything wrong. And reality is, I think this is very much going to hurt Biden, because as this information comes out, Biden's not going to be able to hide from this forever. He's just trying to hide from it till November 3rd. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get through the next two weeks and or next week and a half, really, and just try to get elected. So everyone just forgets about this. Um, but it's not going to go away. The reality is his son is involved in some very sleazy things. and It seems like very criminal things, um, which brings us on to our next point about the Hunter Biden saga. So, um, before I get too far ahead of myself, as far as the debate goes, went well. It was a crushing Trump victory, and Trump nailed Joe Biden on all the topics he needed to nail him on and put Joe Biden off kilter uh, with his attacks. And Joe Biden lost it. He got angry. He began referring to crazy things, like um, you know, referring to Hitler during one of his comments. And usually when you have to start referring to Hitler... Uh, and making weird jokes about Abraham Lincoln, uh, you begin to uh, you lose you've lost the debate. And you could tell he lost the debate because he turned to the camera and did the politician thing and said, you at home and you need you're gonna have MTC and and Trump called him out on it and he lost the debate. And of course, I think the biggest thing of the night, was when Biden said that he was not against fracking and would not stop fracking, and then literally in the next breath said that he will destroy the oil industry. <laughs> Basically, uh, he said, "I'm you know I'm against fracking, but I'm going to destroy the oil industry and within within two minutes." I mean, the statements happened within two minutes of each other, and Trump rightfully pointed out. To Oklahoma, Texas, Pennsylvania, battleground states like Pennsylvania, that this guy is not your friend uh, and he will cash in on the Green New Deal as much as he possibly can because he thinks it's a winning thing to either get him elected or to keep him in office. So that was the debate. Big Trump victory. Trump did an excellent job. He'll build off of it. He's got all the talking points and highlights he needs for ads to be run and uh, he's going to need those because the, the latest headline out right now is showing that Biden has outspent the Trump campaign uh, a crazy amount. Uh, I mean there's an article in the Hill that was posted uh, just the other day which talks about how Biden has spent 582 million dollars on television advertising since launching his campaign and just in a week spent 45 million of that on campaign ads. And it, Trump has spent 342, so it shows you that I mean, he's blowing them away. I mean, almost double spending them uh, as far as ads go, and uh, maybe that's for uh, where the polls come in. Where, you know, where, where they show uh, Biden in the lead here everywhere. The Real Clear Politics average has him up by seven point nine points um, in their in their average polls, which they average all the polls together. Now, do we believe the polls? No, the polls are fake. The polls have been fake. Uh, the way these pollsters do this is polls are simply used as a direction tool. And what I mean by that is they direct your campaign or direct people to your campaign. They throw fake polls out there in an effort to try to get people to either support or not support um, the candidate. You know, people like betting on winners. And so when they think that someone's winning, it it pulls them in to that person's sphere and a possibility of voting for them. So that's what these polls are used for. Um, They're not actual authentic real polls to tell you what people are actually thinking. Um, they're not, they don't do that. And they're not designed for that. They're simply designed to give one campaign a talking point to throw out in front of the media all the time and make them look good. So you can't really trust the polls. Um, and if you were, there's a lot of battleground states that are very close. I mean, within 1.5 points, Florida, North Carolina, um, and Ohio's really close. So there's a lot of really close battleground states. And if Trump wins Florida and Trump wins uh, Pennsylvania, it's pretty much over at that point. I mean, pretty much over if he wins those. So the, the, the polls are close in some areas. The polls are way off, I think, in other areas. But uh, overall, you really can't trust the polls. You really got to just trust your gut on this one. And every time I go out somewhere, I meet people. I go to the gas station. People have Trump flags on their car. They got Trump bumper stickers. Um, they're talking about Trump. No one's out there talking about Biden like that. Maybe a couple keyboard warriors on Facebook, um, maybe some blue check people on Twitter, uh, but no one is actually talking about Biden out in the public. When you walk around and you talk to people every day, I, I, I haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Uh, and I live in the Central Florida area where there is a lot of Democrat support. On um, the I four corridor is you know very purple up and down as far as Democrat-Republican, and you just do not see the support on the street for Biden like you do for Trump. Um, there's no way. People for Trump are much more enthusiastic. They're outspoken, and uh, I think Trump's going to pull it out in the end here is my prediction. Uh, but it may be close. I hope it's not. I hope it's a landslide, but it, it's going to be very close when it comes to this. So that's the debate. The Hunter saga, as we move on to that, More information is coming out about what is going on with Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, if you haven't heard about the story, uh, it was a big bombshell that was released by the New York Post that there was a laptop computer that was left at a computer repair shop that is now in the hands of Rudy Giuliani and now in the hands of the FBI, and this belonged to Hunter Biden, um, supposedly. And there's a lot of evidence now to support that as Hunter Biden's. There's pictures on the computer of Hunter Biden smoking crack and then doing different things. Uh, I don't know why someone would have those pictures if they weren't Hunter Biden. Um, there's emails referring to him, and now emails that, are, that have been discovered that refer to these Chinese deals in which uh, Joe Biden uh, is referred to as the big guy and that he's getting 10% of the money. Now, is he getting money? Did he actually get money? We don't know any of those things. Those things are, are yet to be seen. But there's a man named Tony uh, Bobulinski who has come out as of yesterday and has said he's going to turn over whatever evidence he has to the Senate um, committee that is investigating this so that they can look at it um, and investigate further. Now, if you remember, Ron Johnson who was a senator, uh, had was heading up a committee that had looked into... Joe Biden and his Ukraine dealings, and had found some alarming information about Hunter Biden and what Hunter Biden was doing. Uh, Now, they didn't come out with anything criminal, but it's also not what the Senate does. The Senate does not look for criminality. The Senate job is, it can't. It can't subpoena people to, uh, it can't indict people, it can subpoena people, but it can't indict people. Um, or anything for breaking the law that's not what they do they're not the justice department that's the executive branch's job they can hand over information to the justice department and that's what they have been doing Um, but the reality is hunter biden is involved in some very bad things he's on the take for millions of dollars from not only ukraine but russia and now china there's these Crazy things that are going on where he's getting lots of money and he's funneling them to different businesses that he's made, which are basically pop up businesses that uh, they look like shell companies in reality. Um, There's a guy who has a lot of experience in these kind of businesses. And they pop up and they are look like they're really used for money laundering. So the FBI is now involved looking into that. Um, and they're also looking into pictures that have been found and text messages that have been found on this computer, which show that maybe Hunter Biden was uh, doing something inappropriate with his 14-year-old niece, which is pretty disgusting um, on its own. Now, these are all accusations. Nothing's been proven. But immediately when the stuff came out, the media went into full cover-up mode for the Biden campaign they put a trying to put a cap on this as much as they can, not report it. Um, New York Post, of course, if you haven't heard, they were banned from Twitter. They were pulled from Twitter. Weren't allowed, people weren't allowed to tweet the story. Uh, Facebook has throttled it back so you can't get stories out about this. Um, really crazy uh, First Amendment violations of freedom of the press. Um, but they, they don't want the story out. They don't want this to be revealed because... People got to start asking questions. How involved was Joe Biden? Can we really believe that Joe Biden wasn't involved in these things at all? And now this guy Tony Bubalinski comes out, who was a associate of Hunter Biden, and he says that yes, the big guy was Joe Biden. Joe Biden was actively involved in all this and knew about it, and his stuff seems to be corroborated. I mean, we have pictures that have been that have come out that. Joe Biden was meeting with these people from the Ukraine, from these from Burisma, this corrupt oil uh, oil and gas company, um, and he had apparently a, a meeting with these people that was off the record and not on the books. Um, but his campaign never denied that it happened. In fact, saying it could have happened, but wasn't, you know, only it would have been a sideline thing and nothing serious. His campaign is in full, you know, disaster mode over this, trying to cover it up, and it's bad is if it it basically reveals that, yes, you know, Joe Biden's been in Washington for 47 years, and Joe Biden used his position as vice president to enrich his family members. Now, whether he willingly did that or not, or whether they just used his name to enrich themselves, maybe that's the case. But he lied to the American people saying he didn't know anything about it. And that's it's completely false. I mean, how do you not know anything about this? How do you not know about what's going on with your family and then making deals with all these people around the world? I mean, it would be one thing if this was something done in the shadows and no one knew about it, Um, but Hunter Biden was flying on Air Force Two to China to make these deals. I mean, that makes and implicates Joe Biden completely in this, that he's 100% involved, at least knowingly knowing what his son's doing. You cannot tell me that the man's flying on Air Force Two along with his father to all these different countries and making deals with these different wealthy billionaires and um, oligarchs in these countries, and Joe Biden knows nothing about it. I mean, that would just be insane. And so it seems that this has deeper connections when it comes to Ukraine. It comes to the firing of a prosecutor that was investigating Burisma, the same company that his son was working for. I mean, these it's all circumstantial at this point. Um, maybe not for long, as more evidence comes out from this laptop. There may be corroborating evidence, which backs up these theories. But there's circumstantial evidence for sure that not only Joe Biden knew about what his son was doing, he lied about it, and lied about it again last night in the debates to the American people, and that he used his political clout and the power of the United States government and our foreign policy and public policy apparatus to influence a decision in a foreign country that benefited his family and maybe him directly. That right there, that is the problem. And I haven't heard many people come out and talk about it. I've heard a lot of stuff that like, oh, he's doing is corrupt, he's corrupt, he's corrupt. And yes, I think all the shows that Joe Biden is definitely corrupt. And I don't think that's much of a surprise. I think Joe Biden has played for a long time that he's just, you know, m- you know, good old clean Joe Biden from Scranton, Pennsylvania, who took the train every day to see his kids, and he's always worked real hard. And, you know, lunch pail Joe. I think he's played that image his whole life. I don't think that's who he is. You don't become vice president of USA and be that savvy as a politician for 47 years in office if you're not good at hiding things. That's a reality. You know, there's not a lot of super honest people who get to these high ranks of of the political world. It doesn't happen. You know, Barack Obama was not this honest guy who made it to the top because he worked really hard. Barack Obama was a political animal who knew how to throw the right people under the bus when he had to, and he knew how to drive a hard campaign, make the deals that he had to do to get to the positions that he was in. Now, is, is he a bad person for that? No, most politicians do. I mean, I mean, President Trump has been completely berated over his time as president for being this, you know, guy who is a billionaire who is making all these deals. And, and reality is, he's probably cleaner than a lot of people that are in politics at that high level um, because he was outside of it for so long. and didn't need politics. He was the guy influencing the politicians for a very long time. But he doesn't play the image that he's super clean he doesn't play that game he is you know he denies things but no one's arguing that he's the cleanest guy and he's never done anything wrong in his life i mean this is a guy who literally had relationships with porn stars and has paid them off and uh you know basically he is, you know done some bad things in his life but he's a he's a multi-millionaire he's a billionaire i mean he does things that he did in business and We don't expect him to be super clean. And I think that he gets kind of a, I mean, he hasn't got a pass. He's been beaten up pretty bad about it. But Biden's definitely got a a pass for all this because he's hidden all of it. It's been his son that's been doing all this. And the reality is the son's the perfect fall guy because the son has a drug problem. His son is basically a, a miscreant. His son is a degenerate. And if his son does something bad or for money, it's easy to blame. Oh, my son's just I got problems, and my son's a problem himself, and I had nothing to do with it. It's just my bad son. He's the easiest fall guy in the world. But the reality is, I think Trump was, or not Trump, Biden was definitely farther, deeper in this than we ever could really know. Um, I don't doubt that his son did things behind his back that he didn't know about, but I'm sure that he knows well uh, what his son was doing, and he was actively involved, I think, in protecting his son and the reality. And you, know, you may argue that he was just a father protecting his son, but when you're a father protecting your son and you're using the United States foreign policy machine and uh, quid pro quos with another country and holding back um, billions of dollars in aid from a foreign country who's at war um, with one of our adversaries, that is a serious issue. And what's funny is it's really kind of what was what Trump was accused of and even impeached. I mean, we impeached a sitting president over this. And you have Joe Biden deep in the weeds involved in this with a lot of circust- circumstantial evidence. And I think a lot of evidence now with this Tony Bobulinski, um thing coming out, it's going to become really, really bad, I think, in, uh, in the next couple days um, if the media will cover it. And it really comes down to will the media cover it? And I, I don't know if that's going to happen. We, we've seen them running interference on this. They're out there going, oh, it's unverified. Uh, you know, The 60 Minutes interview, it's going to be airing Sunday. That President Trump has aired uh, early. Where he basically walks out of the interview and ends it over Leslie Stahl's questioning. She, she basically says, oh, we don't report things like that because they're unverified. However, for three years, or more than three years, they report on Russia collusion with Trump. Zero of it. Zero, 100% zero, not a thing corroborated, verified, or anything. All of it was unverified, just made up stuff. And it was proven that way. $48 million investigation by the FBI and by, by um, Robert Mueller proved all of it was fake and none of it was real. I mean, this was the most unverified story ever, and it was pushed through the media for years and years and years. So to sit back and as a media organization say, well, we can't report that because it's unverified, you're lying. You're lying to everyone. You could report on plenty of these things. You don't because they have a stake in Biden being elected president. That will protect them. The media is corrupt in this country, and they are looking for protection. Trump is not going to protect them. They are going to be protected by Biden. Biden's looking to get in office to protect everything that's been built over the eight years that Obama put in place, and then even before him, where the swamp structure is so thick that you can't get through it. So Trump, in a second term, with nothing to lose, is their biggest enemy they could possibly imagine. And they don't want that to happen. They're going to pull out all the stops to make sure he doesn't get elected, um, even if it means taking a story that's you know, borderlines on treason and completely covering it up so that you don't hear anything about it. Um, that is the reality with the Hunter Biden situation. And I think it's going to get worse um, as more information comes out. Um, So that's your update on what's going on with Hunter Biden and the Joe Biden um, corruption saga. Uh, The last thing I wanted to throw in here was um, the aftermath of the debate. So as I went over the debate, things were said in the debate, and Trump did a very excellent job bringing up some points. And one of the points he brought up was talking about Immigration. They were questioning immigration and the kids in cages stuff that was brought up. And, of course, um, Trump directed it right at Biden about who built the cages. It was the Obama administration that uh, instituted this policy of separating children. They built these detainment centers for these children. Now, granted, the Trump administration did have a zero-tolerance policy and that did exasperate this issue much more than it was under the Obama administration, um, but the Obama administration pretty much just deported people wholesale. I mean, they had more deportations than any other presidential administration, so even more than Trump. So that's something that you know doesn't get reported because you don't want to make, make Obama look bad, but he did. Uh, he he reported deported a lot of people so they didn't have this issue of detaining all these people and keeping them in the cages they were deported quickly and sent out of the country something the trump administration has not been as good at and has kind of been beaten up over the kids in cages uh, lie that's gone around so that was brought up and in the in the response to that question trump brought up about these young children who are brought over by coyotes and other bad people as trump put it Um, That has caused a very strange, interesting backlash of responses. And I woke up this morning, you know, after this debate and began doing research for everything I was going to talk about today and I'm pulling up information and immediately catches my eye that everyone's talking about coyotes. And I take a look at some of these tweets that were put up by blue check Twitter people. So these are your people who are like confirmed reporters, journalists, um, trusted People on Twitter, they get their little blue check, and uh, there was like you know people like Jameel Hill who works for the Atlantic, and uh, there was a congresswoman, a Democrat, um, state congresswoman, who had uh, tweeted out stuff, and all of them are tweeting about coyotes and saying how Trump is an idiot and look at Trump's a loon, literally saying he's a loon and all these things for talking about coyotes taking children across the border. And I'm reading these things and I began to realize that these people think that coyotes. The animal are dragging children across the border into America illegally, and they think that's a crazy idea. And I would think that's a crazy idea, too, and I would laugh, (laughs) ha, 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 Trump, that's a crazy idea, except for that's not what a coyote is. A coyote is someone who is paid to smuggle someone across the border. They're usually paid high amounts of money. They're usually involved in cartels with other bad people. And they know all the secret drug routes that are used to smuggle drugs into this country. And they take people as contraband. And they cross them over the border in the same way they, they have drugs pass over the border. So coyotes are not good people to deal with. And in many cases, they threaten people, they extort money from people, they rape and kill people. They are not a positive thing. They are real. They do this on the border all the time. And what amazes me about it is not the stupidity of the people posting and tweeting these things about, oh my gosh, coyotes, the president's crazy. That's dumb on its own. And it makes you do a double take like these people don't know. And that's where the real problem is. It's that these people don't know. These blue check people on Twitter, these Congress people, state representatives, these journalists and reporters who all day, and media personalities, who all day on television and on the internet are giving you, the American people, information over and over and over again. And telling you all these things. Trump's bad. Biden's good, right? And covering up different stories. And twisting things and twisting facts and reporting it to you, you know, telling you that things are good when things really aren't good. You know, these same people that go on like the View and talk about, oh, Black Lives Matter is really just this wonderful organization and they haven't done anything bad ever in their lives. And when reality is they, they have all this bad stuff that was scrubbed from their website about how they want to destroy the nuclear family and defund the police and all these things, right? These people every day are reporting news and information to you. And yet they don't know what a coyote is. They think it's just an animal that's bringing kids across the border. And ha ha ha, how funny that is. That's the problem. When you have that lack of knowledge about what happens on the United States-Mexico border, yet every day you're out reporting information to the American people, that's a serious problem. That means the American people, on average, are not getting information from intelligent, informed sources. These people didn't take the time out of their day to Google what a coyote was on the Mexican border. They didn't do this. Instead, they ran out to Twitter, threw a bunch of stupid tweets up because they thought it was funny and made the president look bad because they were so ignorant and they were so confident in their ignorance that what they were saying was, oh, this is going to make Trump look bad and I'm so smart that they are so stupid. Yet yeah, they're reporting every day to you, and you're taking this information every day from all these different sources. And we're not just talking about news. You know, you sit down and you turn the news on. That's, it's one thing. Yes, journalists are not very intelligent people on average. They're not smart. They went to journalism school. They learned how to write. They borrow things from other journalists all the time. Um, you have these people on the AP who write a story, and all these other journalists rewrite the story and put their name on top of it and act like they're really, really smart and that they deserve a Pulitzer Prize. Um, but they're not the smartest people on average not to say that all of them are dumb some of them are very intelligent people but that's not the average journalist your average journalist is just a regular person who may not have a lot of knowledge and different issues however they hear a lot of things and they think they're really smart because they're reporters but they're not but it's not just the people in the news that are lying to you about this stuff because they're not smart enough to know the difference it's people in the media any kind of media uh, any kind of television program It's when you go on Snapchat and you see these Snapchat news stories, when you go on Instagram and you see some influencer who's telling you you need to use the latest facial cream on your face, and then the next post they have is, oh my God, coyotes are carrying kids across the border. Trump's so dumb. And you go onto another thing on Facebook and you see um, some athlete post that Trump is an idiot and you shouldn't listen to Trump and you should go out and vote for Biden, right? Or a rapper makes a song and says, Trump's bad and orange man bad and Biden's going to be so good. All these people that are doing these things and are influencing you, whether you like it or not, sometimes without even knowing, right? These are people you trust to give you information about, maybe not politics, but about other things, right? But you take them seriously when someone posts about their favorite facial cream on Instagram and you go out and you're like, oh, let me go on on Amazon and buy some of this facial cream, right? Because I I think it's going to work great. Um, You're doing all this stuff. Because someone influenced you, in many of the cases. That's why these people are influencers to begin with. Then when you realize that they such, they have such a lack of knowledge that they, and such a lack of even any kind of um, uh, respect for you to go and even Google something and find it out before they go out and, and tweet or post about it, um, that is what we deal with. <laughs> that is the problem. That's the serious issue here. And these people are going out and they're voting, and guess who they're probably voting for? They're voting for people like Joe Biden. They're voting for people like the Democrat Party, and the Democrat Party likes this. They don't want free speech and free flow of information. They want dumb people going out there telling you dumb things, like coyotes are carrying kids across the border in their mouths, and and they at night they howl at the moon. You know, they want you to they want you to be dumb. The dumber you are the more power you give to these political creatures who have no intention of doing anything good for this country except for enriching themselves or perhaps enriching members of their family. So that's how we get into these situations in the first place. And that's how things get so bad. We live in an age where we have the most information at our fingertips than any other human population in all of human history. And we have people who can't take 27 seconds out of their day to find out what a term means that was used but we'll happily take 27 seconds out of our day to send a tweet or post something on social media that is 100% false that is the world we live in folks and that is why i decided to get out there and start doing this podcast because people deserve better they need to deserve actual information given to them and smart intelligent perspectives now, I might not get everything right 100% of the time, but I appreciate you guys subscribing, listening, and giving me all the great feedback, of course, that you always do. So, that is what was going on in politics today. I am James O'Hara, your host. Um, remember to follow me on Politics Today on Facebook, um, Politics Today J R O at gmail.com is the email if you want to email me a message or topic that you want me to discuss on the show. Um, I... um, available wherever you get your podcasts at, um, whether that be Apple Podcasts. I am now on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you might get your podcasts, uh, feel free to download it and follow um, as you can. So thank you very much, and all of you have a wonderful rest of your day.